Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the Film Alchemist podcast, the show where we break apart the movies that we love to find out what gives them their magic. Uh, I am your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always, um, hopefully not in a gelatinous <laughs> ball of death, by my dear friend and co-host, Alex Dangito. You know, that's my... <laughs> Oh my god! Is that a young Johnny drama we just? Saw? Yeah, that's my best Kevin Dillon impression. There we go. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Well, this wraps up. We are ending with a bang. This is the last uh, movie for the monthly theme. Aliens attack the pod. Almost one more uh, is coming. We took as our listener submission. They live. Yes. So. The bonus alien invasion movie for this month will be They Live, submitted by listener Jordan Kirkhoff, good friend of the show. Uh, so, yeah, a little more aliens to come, but this was officially to be our closing ceremony. Um, and this is not the 58 blob, right? No, this, this is, is the 88. 88 blob. Um, I actually always liked the 58 blob. When I grew up, I considered that to be part of the Universal Monsters wrongly. But to oh. me, it was like that. It's like, you know, you watch frankenstein and creature you watch the mummy right you watch the fly you watch the blob they were all part of the same thing to me right sure it sure. has that amazing fucking i just rewatched it to prepare for this show it has that amazing uh theme song beware of the blob do, 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 do. <laughs> beware of the blob do, 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 do. And it's like so bizarre my son actually is three years old he watches that movie with me oh that's because awesome. he likes monsters but the 58 blob is so so far beyond the possibility of being terrifying to anyone. Right. That yeah. He just kind of likes it. He's like, oh, so there is a monster, but there's no chance I'll have a three-year-old nightmare. <laughs> so this is great. Uh, yeah, but the 58 one, it was good. It was this and that. The thing that it, you are so struck by watching it now is how very little blob there is in it. Yeah. Um, there's a couple good moments, right, where they use him very well. Uh, but for the most part, it's kind of Steve McQueen-like yucking it up right it's kind of it's very mayberry yeah it's a bunch of guys like hey let's backwards drag race oh sorry officer shucks yeah very and uh, you know very much in that vein i actually <laughs> yeah, th- it- i actually thought the 88 one even brought brings a lot a little of that in like there's a lot of this like sort of small town off shucks 55 vibe for sure but see here's the difference right i think what 88 does it's so brilliant to me this is one of the best all-time reimaginings of a pre-existing movie like, this and the thing might be two of my favorites ever, and it's it's good we're covering them. What this one does is it it takes the small town kind of archetypes and then mutates them in a bit, right? So this is the small town, but we, we learn early on that the town is on the verge of collapse. Right. There's a little more, uh, people are a little more worried, right? So instead of a Steve McQueen, like a squeaky clean, you know, the football player being our main point of view, we get Kevin Dillon, who... Right essentially dresses like the Fonz who just got off work at the Olive Garden. <laughs> and he, he's kind of our hardcore, you know, like, I'm such a ribble. Fuck y'all. Well, uh, so he he's our entry point, right? So we have kind of a, a town in decay. We have a boy, like the cop tells him early on, right? Like, one more mess up now on this birthday and you're in the big leagues now, boy. Like he's oh, yeah. 18 or whatever. So we, we're getting this kind of, broken subverted americana right right which plays well because the original blob obviously was this kind of idea of of communism right like absorbing the small americanized uh ideals and turning them into one big ball of jelly right right so this one it's kind of funny to take this and and break that part of it right right 
I really liked, uh, yeah, Kevin Dillon to me is like, he's the Fonz, but like if the Fonz was, and by the way, for Happy Days, the Fonz was not a great motor- motorcyclist. Kevin Dillon is worse. Like he might be the worst. <laughs> Like everything what are you is- talking about? He learned, He has an arc of awesome writerness. <laughs> through he has an arc from starting as a terrible writer. Like he, not only that, but he also steals ratchets. That never came back up, and it really bothered me that he never like returned the ratchet set. That was really unsettling. He didn't technically steal them. He was just he had bigger fish to fry at a point to fix it. Also, Kevin Dillon really makes a case for the mullet being like the greatest hairstyle of all time in this movie. Like uh, he- you know what though? Like Kevin Dillon's mullet is like the disgusting like uh Griffey family heirloom mullet where it's like <laughs> your hair is so coarse and puffy and doesn't move when you walk. Like if your hair doesn't move when you walk, there's a certain length where you're just like enough's enough. Right. It's I- a disgusting mullet. I I hate his mullet. <laughs> it it I, I disagree. I think I have a lot of respect for him rocking that hairstyle because at that point, you know, you look at the rest of the town like he really is. It's what sets him apart. He's the bad boy. He's that. Right. <laughs> he he really is the Fonz who just got off his nine to fiver from Olive Garden. Like that is the look. You know what is funny about him in the movie, though, is I never bought him as like the bad boy. No, I was like, this feels like the theater kid who's like getting ready for like the outsiders play. Yeah, exactly. He's the kid who I mean. He basically wore a leather jacket, and everyone's like, oh, that kid's probably trouble. Like, that's really yeah. all it is. And they told us he had some law dog trouble, so he might have actual street cred. But with me, I was like, oh, no, this this reeks of socias and greasers. Yeah. Well, they like, never... You're falling in line at this point. They never actually point out the things he had done to go to juvenile hall. So, like, they, like he never does anything... By the way, yeah, he never does anything in the movie that's actually, like, you know ruffian type stuff like it's not like well, he's like picking eventually locks. he does right because we start off with him trying to rev it up and he's gonna jump this bridge he gets the immediately gr- like his bike kind of hesitates right he has like a slight mechanical problem he like wusses out right and he slides down this one the, the old man like kind of gives him the old, old man gives him know. a clap that was really fun <laughs> what a great moment that was a great yeah game. and then we're like oh well this guy's a total pud but by the end of the movie kevin Dillon is hardcore man we see him driving a big rig right right we see him make the leap of faith uh, when the cops in his face and he licks the dude. That's okay. a that's a badass. Movie. I wrote down. I was like, damn, that is awesome. I literally wrote. What did I write down? Oh, yeah. Just straight up crushed. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, started I mean, that's the laughing. best move to authority, right? Like had he socked the guy or whatever. You'd be like, that's one thing. Licking him on the face is such an alpha move. Licked- we talked about it on the show recently. The new term I had discovered, big dick energy. <laughs> That is big dick energy one hundred and one. But uh, yeah, man, I I don't know. One of the things I loved most about this movie is they do because this is the thing, right? These monster movies have a bit of a problem to solve, right? Which is we have to keep you interested enough until the monster. Right. It's one of the things Godzilla movies often do very badly. This is just like generic scientists saying sciencey things until the fight happens, right? Right. This movie does a fantastic job of getting the most mileage out of almost throwaway characters, right? Right. Um I love the they just have great little set pieces, right? Like even the opening football game, which is very kind of basic, you know, introduction to the town and the some right. of the characters, right? When that guy gets his clock cleaned, right? And he's like, I have to be careful, I have to take my time before I ask her out, gets his clock cleaned. And then just looks up and asks if she's doing something. It's small, 
but it's a nice use, right? And to me, the best exemplification of this is the the pharmacy scene is so oh, fucking funny. Oh, it's so great. <laughs> so they're going in there to buy condoms and potentially, like, did they buy booze? I couldn't remember. No, he, no, I don't think they bought any booze. He just went in because he asked because he asks Paul to go buy him condoms because he's like, no, I, I just. I don't know which one to get. You know, like he tries to give this whole explanation right. as to why he can't buy condoms or whatever. And then, and then he goes, he buys the condoms, right? And then the priest walks in. Priest. And it's just, it's immediately, it's a great gag. It's a great visual yeah. gag already. The priest, yeah, the priest pops up and gives him like the whole spiel about like, oh, keeping yourself pure, blah blah blah. And then the, and then it's like regular ribs. I'm like, oh yes. <laughs> but this comes back to be my favorite. Probably my entire favorite moment in the movie, which seems weird. But when the boyfriend goes, picks up the guy's daughter, and the pharmacist just lowers the paper, looks at the kid, and he just goes, ribbed. (laughs) And in this moment, you see this small town, like, you know, the the thick-framed glasses old-timer, right? Is just imagining his daughter just being fucking ribbed ribbed out. (laughs) Yeah, just ribbed out in a tiny, shitty car. (laughs) And he's just like... For that man, right? That man becomes Kevin Dillon in one moment. He's like, my American <laughs> dream is completely shattered. He's like, I am a smut merchant, right? I sold the ribs. Oh, dude. It's <laughs> it's one of those great like I love I love imagining the next five minutes of that scene. Because <laughs> he still this is the crazy thing. The pharmacist still lets the daughter go on the date. Yeah, which also I'm makes like, you're not f- going out with ribbed guy. Yeah, no, that guy just bought condoms. Like imagine like have oh uh, well it was for my oh yeah, it was your friend, huh? For your friend? Yeah, right. Like, oh my god! I, I just imagine him and his wife go up to their room, right? And as he's zipping up his gimp suit, he's just like, "What have I done?" <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's such a great payoff too, because I remember seeing like so Art Lafleur is the pharmacist, and I look, I'm like, "Is that gonna pay off?" <laughs> That's gonna pay off, isn't it? And then, like, sure enough. They, like, as soon as I see the the newspaper in front of his face, I'm like, oh, my God, it's Art LaFleur. It's got to be Art LaFleur. Oh, yes. This is a great it's movie. So, but this is what I mean, right? Like, this this movie is remembered, obviously, for just fucking outstanding effects. Oh, it's awesome. Like, there, there are moments of effects in this movie that are so fucking gnarly and still great to this day. But they do a really, really good job of setting these people up. And giving them interesting little quirks and making them fun to watch before yeah. we get to the stuff that you actually paid the ticket for, right? Right. A lot of movies brush right past this phase. They're like, just set up the archetypes, uh, you know, put the kids that like to have sex in the woods and then murder everything. This movie takes its time and does really well. Like, even the homeless guy before we find the blob, right? That's just like a very small little visual ad of him stomping the cans with yeah, the skillet yeah. shoe. And then as he's going to like see the meteorite, he's got to get his skillet shoe off. I'm like, <laughs> it's a fucking teeny tiny detail, but it did a lot for me, man. I love that shit. I like the movie. Yeah, like everything in this movie, because again, I, I also noted this is like the longest opening credits I think I've ever seen for one of these kinds of movies. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> I, I mean, they credited the fucking line producer in the opening credits. I was like, good Lord. Well, it's like 10 shots of like, hopefully there's snow. We may be going out of business. <laughs> Yeah, there's, like, like all this damn, snow dude. shit. But then, on top of that, like, the thing I like, so you start off with, like, this clearly, like, hometown, downtown Americana. I, like, again, I can't get over, like, the, there's trying so hard to make this kind of this, like, uh, American, like, 50s thing, but also giving it, like, it's putting it in the 80s. Like, it's the way we feel about, uh, like... You know, uh, anybody who's on the West Coast, whenever you go anywhere, whenever you go like to like I've been to Wyoming now this year. And 
and I went right? to I went to Wyoming. And I looked around. I'm like, holy shit, this place is like 20 years behind. Like, did they just get the Backstreet Boys here? I think that might be happening. Like, <laughs> and you're like, if so, I'm never leaving. <laughs> yeah, that's I'm true. Here to stay. <laughs> but yeah, like, it's kind of how I felt watching the Blob. Is I'm like, I bet this. So this movie takes place in 1988, but I guarantee, like, all everything about this town screams like 61. You know, like that's what's so like cool about the movie is it does such a good job of like pointing out. This is a small town, so of course they're not going to know how to handle, like, that's cool. Like, of course, when you go to the doctor's office, there's one doctor, and there's only one hospital in town, and there's one doctor in the hospital and two nurses. Like, that's, like, that's the, <laughs> that's the great setup of the movie. Well, just even this, right? Like, in no other place in America except for these kind of small towns that we still... Because that's what I like, right? It's taking this idealized concept, right? Like, this is what the uh, the fucking MAGA dinguses are always talking about. Right. They want to go back to the blob of the 58, <laughs> right, right? That's right. the town they want to live in. Yeah. Um. This is that showing that the longer they've held on to it, it's kind of breaking apart and gross. And, you know, oh, this town looks kind of shitty. There's no snow to cover everything up and make right. it look beautiful. Um. But, yeah, like, that, to me, it's, it's at once homage to the original – but also kind of adds this extra this extra level of storytelling, right? This this broken, rotten Americana, which later leads into one of the bigger twists in the movie, right? When we meet the government, right? The government uh, white suits, right? Right. Um. But yeah, I I don't know. But th- this is something they have to do too, right? Because if it's not in a small town like that, right? These fictionalized Mayberries, yeah. Uh, you would never pick up a crazy homeless man with uh, gelatinous goo on his hand. And put him in your car. No, not a chance. I, I mean, you'd, you'd pull like 100 yards ahead and call like 911 and be like, hey, man, help's coming. I'm actually pretty sure. <laughs> you're I, like- I'm actually pretty sure I've seen that homeless guy <laughs> off like uh, Front Street downtown. And I'm like, right. Well, nope. if you live in Los Angeles, that's like a pretty, yeah, pretty I mean, fucking regular. It's a pretty regular thing. A homeless guy with goo on your hand. I'm like, nope, I'm not dealing with this. Like, whatever it is, get it out of get it, get it, get it, get it away from me. <laughs> yeah, I it's it's a fun I don't know. To me, it's it's cool because that's how they did it in the original. There's no thought, right? McQueen just grabs the bro, throws him in the car, but he's not as seedy looking as this homeless guy, right? right? So, but it's it's also cool, man. It it also works because you're like, wow, the blob will just eat anything. Well, and I think this is something <laughs> else. <laughs> well, this is something else though that I kind of like surmised while watching the movie is the blob, and it's funny because like later in the movie when the kids are like at the slasher film. You kind of realize that the blob, this 88 blob, is a lot like a slasher movie. It sort of functions. Yeah. It's, it's a slasher movie that functions as a monster movie, essentially. But it still has all those tenets. Like, everyone who does a bad thing in this movie ends up getting killed. Like, the only yes, piece. which I fucking adore about this movie. I'm a huge fan of what wishing immediate punishments on yes. people who show bad faith to civilization. The bo- <laughs> the like poor choices in this movie always get their come up and it's like uh, even even kids, even that fucking little kid who dragged the dragged the brother to the movie like he got his come up and don't sneak <laughs> that, in don't sneak into rated R movies. Me. When not only did they kill a child essentially like a, a young teen, yeah. but then when he pops back out of the water oh. and is fucking like melted oh just this disgusting preteen skeletal mess i was like god damn that is some huge balls like you don't see stuff like that in movies very often not a chance man no i mean but even this right like there are just so many to talk about the amazing i don't know if there's a movie that has a higher percentage of kind of set piece creature gag and quality of payoff than this movie 
No, not a chance. Like, even an easy one, right? The homeless guy gets his hand caught the first time, right? Instead of right. just sitting there oh, oh, and moaning, he fucking tries to hack that shit that, off. Wasn't that fails. cool? Oh, that was oh, so cool. So <laughs> and the Bob's it's like, so nope. Oh, man. But I love that shit. Um, so then we get to the hospital, right? Right. That's where we do the, you know, Kevin Dillon's like, People don't give a fuck here, man. <laughs> Fight the man, man. And just like walks off to get his ratchets and go work on his shitty bike. <laughs> There's something very weird about him in that bike. Like that that is his ticket to freedom, yet he never takes it. It's no. kind of a it's an interesting little flair they added to him. But yeah, so in the hospital, man, we just get fucking payoff after payoff, right? So we walk past the doctor's office, Twin Peaks guy, fisherman from Twin <laughs> yeah. Peaks. Twin Peaks. Right? And we see the, the, the blankets moving, right? They pull it back. Melted fucking body. Yeah. Then we get the the blob attacking from the ceiling. I mean, this is just like... But this is the iconic shot, right? The blob coming down from the ceiling. And then uh, the girlfriend comes in. And when he uh, is trying to... He is like... Hap- he looks like the Flash, right? Yeah. So he's like in mid like running pose being pulled back as he's desperately trying to claw out of the blob. Oh, so And I was cool. like, that little five minutes... I mean, that's... That took everything that potentially could have been in the blob and just, boom, fucking blows it up. That five minutes alone is worth more than everything that had ever been in the blob before. Yeah, just like the creature effect of him melting within the blob is so rad. Like, And every time you see, like, there's a couple of shots of, like, things inside the blob. Like that are slowly melting, like uh, oh god, like that um, the woman who gets encased in the like entombed in the uh, oh in the yes the, the, the and telephone the booth. sheriff is in there and the fucking <laughs> sheriff's like eh, like oh it was so cool oh fuck dude I love <laughs> I love the stuff they do in this movie um yeah man but that's that's what I mean right so they take the blob which essentially looked like a beach ball like a half deflated beach ball rolling around <laughs> yeah and they made it this actual ferocious fucking predator right. right. So it grows really rapidly. It climbs up above you to hunt. Yeah. Um, you think you can escape. You can't. They This movie took it up a notch, right? The blob yeah. is fast. The blob is vicious. Um, one of the absolute Because that's the... I mean, you could just talk about every fucking blob shot in this movie is fucking perfect, right? right? Like Even a throwaway one. Like the guy who's trying to plunge the sink, getting Pulled down in and the shoe pops off. I mean, the best like, part was what you, the fuck? That's a throwaway death, and it's fucking. You insane. absolutely knew it was happening. Like you're like, there's no way this is not going to happen. Is this guy's. You gonna- know what I love most? That is an actual true life fear that I've always had. Oh, me too. Sticking your hand in a sink with a garbage disposal uh, or disposal, you're like, oh my god! Like I, I almost refuse to do it half the time at oh, minimum. Oh yeah. <laughs> or you're like trying to get it with a fork or something. So I was like, now they've hit me on real life fear and blob fear. It's fucking. That's so great. Although I will, we we have sort of skipped over my favorite scene in the movie, which is definitely the makeout point scene. No, okay. So the the ribbed line is my favorite line. They the sex offender in the woods is definitely the all time. This is like peak horror movie. This is the peak of this film. I think like. There's no scene in this film that is a creepier on like a couple of levels and also has a better payoff than this one. Like he is clearly trying to get this girl plastered and then like seemingly she, already has. Yeah. Right? He's like she like passes out and he's like, yes, that's it. She's already passed. I think out. you need another cherry cooler. And then he goes to his trunk, which is like a whole full bar, which was crazy. But it's like, but a, see, that's that's another one of those. They really took the time to give these characters yeah. like real 
quirks and personalities. I, I thought that scene, I was like, this encapsulates everything this movie does yeah. so perfectly. I love watching him like make the drink. He comes back in and he's like, <laughs> oh, great, she's asleep. And then he's like talking him. He's like talking himself through sexually assaulting this woman. Like he's like, oh, you it's a little warm out. Maybe you should pop your button. Yeah, you should pop your button. And he like, I'm like, what is going on in this movie? Oh, my God. But this is the best part, right? When he's kind of talking himself slowly through sexual assault <laughs> yes. and he reaches his hand in for the titty and he's like, ah, oh, and her yeah. body collapsing and essentially just pssst, like just, oh, you know, those so uh, awesome. shitty fireworks snakes, a blob coming out and grabbing him. I love the like- only knock. This is my only <laughs> knock for such an imaginative film. I feel like they really missed what would have been maybe the most iconic scene in cinema history. Oh. Is that I wanted the girl to still be kind of half awake and be like, yeah, you want some of this? And he's like, yeah, oh, you want some of this? Rips open the shirt and the tits just lactate blob out all over. Oh, that would have been awesome. Just spraying out, right? Like this disgusting mother milk kind of inversion. Oh, man. That would have been. That would have been I mean, it was great what we got, but I was like, God damn, if she was just spraying blob out of her boobs at him. Yeah, that would have been pretty uh, sweet. That is like just watching the sex offender get his comeuppance that way. Missed so as he's being absolved and melting, you're like, he's also probably like half masked. Yeah. Like he's secretly, this is the death he always dreamed of a little bit. <laughs> you know, it's like a heaven and hell scenario. Death that, by boob milk. That was the thought that it took me a couple minutes to stop thinking about. Uh, lactating blob. <laughs> I that scene in the movie, I'm like, this movie is incredible. I've, no, if you want to show someone one scene of the movie and be like, this is why this movie kicks the most ass, that is definitely the scene you would pick. One hundred percent. So yeah, so I mean, they they do so many of these great great setups, and then they throw in they this movie actually throws in a big twist on us, right? Yes. So the new addition to the movie. Um, from the original material is the government agents, right? Right. And what we learn in this one, which is kind of an interest, it almost invalidates it from this movie. But we said to hell with technicalities. This one's too good. That's why I, that's this the is not I technically alien. Right. So my question right? then to you would be, do you like that's the question, though? Do you actually because in that standoff, Kevin Dillon sort of puts two and two together and he's like, what the fuck? So, right. Yeah. So to me. okay. what's your question? My question is, do you think do you think it's an alien or do you think it is the man made a man made like a weapon? Okay. what I would say is that I I would technically qualify it as both. Right. Okay. And this could be reaching because the original blob was clearly alien in nature. Right. right? It reminds I've always thought of the blob the way they describe the thing. Right. Just without any of the like cool uh, camouflaging effects. Right. Right. It's like, imagine how many worlds it's been on, how much it's consumed, right? It's this, dis- I mean, a virus, the way they describe it, right, is this virus gone awry. That's actually a really clever concept for what this is. It just gets in and destroys and destroys and takes and then flies off, right, to right. another area. Why so little of it fits in an asteroid? Why it picks little asteroids? I don't know. But this one's actually a man-made American craft, right? So this is bioweaponry. This is our next step. Right. So what they say is they sent this. Is it a virus or a bacteria? I thought it was a virus. I thought it was a bacteria, but virus. Well, sense. one of the two. One of the little teeny tiny things, right, that we wash our hands to avoid. <laughs> they send it up in this capsule. And then through cosmic energies, it is mutated. 
So to me, it's the cosmic energies mutating it. When it comes back, it is something foreign and unrecognizable and alien to our world, right? Right. It operates and functions as essentially a new species in this world. So I think you can still claim it's an alien of sorts. Right. Okay. Right? That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a cool idea, right? Because you're taking, like you said, it, do, it does play very much along the lines of a slasher a lot of times, right? It's like right. a classic Friday the 13th slasher a lot. Yeah. But then we're adding in these government guys, right? And they're they're here to preserve the the creature, right? They, they want to use this thing. They can learn a lot. They can weaponize this right. thing. Right. So this, again, is doubling down on this concept of this kind of rotten from the inside Americana. Right. Which it seems little, but these kind of things add a lot of depth to this narrative, I think. I, I enjoyed I enjoyed this edition a lot, and I think Meadows becomes the truest villain of the film. Oh, yeah. Because that's the thing. The blob, you could argue, is almost a good guy in this movie. Almost. Like, who does he kill, right? Sex offender? Sex offender, uh, kids who sneak the homeless in guy probably movies. was already getting kicked a little bit. You probably could have left the homeless guy along. Yeah. Uh, the projectionist seemingly like that guy didn't seem to have a great life. You probably didn't need to melt his ass on the ceiling. Which, by the way, that art, the mannequin of the guy, the projectionist oh, that was on the ceiling, awesome. so good. And then yeah, he murders this like uh, you know handlebarred mustachioed asshole who's speaking during movies. That was the scene I I was uproariously cheering in my living room was the death <laughs> of a movie theater talker. Yeah. But the blob mostly seemingly is his targeted killings are mostly bad. Well, no, not mostly. Probably 50-50. Yeah. He also kills the sheriff. He kills the the nice restaurant lady who makes sandwiches after hours. Okay, the blob's bad too. The blob's <laughs> bad too. I was wrong. But Meadows is one of us, goddammit. Meadows isn't a hungry fucking organism that doesn't understand its place in the world. Right. Meadows is the worst. He's terrible. Yeah, I, th- I think... Uh, <laughs> no, yeah... It's Here's the question. Do you think when they quarantined those civilians that they had any thought of letting them leave alive? No, not a chance. I think You don't think so? See, I, I couldn't tell. They were kind of playing it half-assed. I think it was kind of in that. It was a sort of the same like scenario as Outbreak where they were just getting ready to bl- blow the shit out of the town. Because it is like Kevin Dillon, again, like that standoff scene is so great because Kevin Dillon literally just calls the bluff. The entire is like... What a fucking small town. You don't think they know what's going on here? It's like, oh shit, you're right. And you know they're gonna fucking blow that thing off the map, or at least think they are. This is the thing is they spend so much time trying so much time trying to like burn it, and it constantly gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm like, <laughs> as scientists, wouldn't you guys figure out at some point, maybe after dropping the the guy with the two uh grenades <laughs> who like as soon as the blob explodes out from under the city it like is going to come down on top of me like his grenades are on like sitting on right on his uh pecs i'm like the only reason they're sitting there is so they could get the shot of him going Fing! and like pulling the pins <laughs> knowing he's going to die but like i i really yeah i think that oh those guys were sitting there for sure to clean the city there's no way that anyone was going to be left alive i was wondering about that i don't know i mean i god that scene when the blob pops out of the the uh the underground sewer is so fucking cool, man. Cause this is one of the first times we get a like a really good look at the big size of it. Yeah, it kind of becomes almost like Harryhausen for a second, right? Like this claymation, rah rah, yeah, Titanic beast. But it, it actually has musculature and veins, which is a great new addition to the blob. So instead of just being amorphous jelly, right, it has it's it's almost like a one living muscle, which adds this extra layer of fear to it, which I thought. 
I was like, man, just the little additions they made to this exponentially increased the enjoyment yeah. of this movie so fucking much. Yeah, I like that it's not just viscous liquid. It's literally like kind of just it's a movable. It's just a movable muscle, essentially. It's really yeah. cool. Oh, my God. You know what? We totally glossed over. Meadows at one point seems to indicate that he thinks that something like the blob is what killed the dinosaurs. <laughs> Does he really? I'm yeah, totally like, missing. What, what do you think caused the dinosaurs to go extinct? And he's like, and I think he like kind of passed it out. He's like, you think just an asteroid hit the earth and some clouds came? And I was like, <laughs> oh my God. I was like, where's my, this is where Jurassic World needs to go, right? Is the blob eating dinosaurs. Oh, <laughs> like, God, that, that is awesome. That is a fucking flashback scene I need so badly in my life. And I was like, yeah, I would watch that for sure. It's just Owen running down a hill. From a blob that's full of melting, mutating dinosaurs God. gasping for air. Damn, dude. I mean, come be... on. How's that not a poster? Where uh, are the great artists of the world? I'll a... give you all the money for that. <laughs> that is a fucking movie right there. <laughs> oh, my God. You're right. Actually, I had just written down here, too, that he says uh, that people are expendable. So Meadows yeah. knew. Meadows knew. Meadows kind of knew. I think that people. they all were kind of like, well, these people are going to go away. Like, we're going to get rid. We're going to clean the city and uh, weaponize this thing. But... Again, you know, cooler heads prevail, literally and figuratively. Um, you know, the town's able to, like, board themselves inside, I think, the library or the courthouse. I think it was a library. <laughs> One of those upstanding buildings of a One small downtown. The townspeople forge together, and even though Paul McCrane gets... By the way, one of my favorite, like, creature effects in any movie is um, when people get, like, folded in half. and like. Oh, God, yes. I love, I love that. that, too. It's such a cool effect. Um, and then, uh, but he gets folded backwards the wrong way. Yeah. Oh, oh it's God, so yeah. gross and awesome. <laughs> and then, uh, no. oh man, what's, and then you know the, what they have least. in this too, is just a throwaway is the fucking rocket launcher. Oh yeah. I love that. Like Kevin Dillon, they get trapped in the shore. He's like, you sons of bitches. <laughs> and he just magically there's like, oh wait, rocket launcher. That'll solve everything. <laughs> I was like. How awesome is a movie that the rocket launcher scene is just like a throwaway? <laughs> so great, yeah. It just gets glossed. They're like, "Well, we're out of the we're out of the sewer now." Great, all right, cool. Let's get out. I uh, yeah. And then the the priest, uh, very very smartly, the priest is the one who the priest survives, although he gets his face like half melted. Uh, yeah, right. So they they blow up a snow truck. They're picking up the crystals, right? Uh, but the priest has his own fucking crystals, man. Yeah, he grabbed him from the uh, from the, the remains of the what was it? The remains of the diner. Yeah, something. Yeah. He grabs it early, so he grabs like a little jar and out of the away. freezer where they originally hid and found out that cold affects it. Yeah, and then like it's they flash forward to like a year later, and he's got some. He got a, he has a bunch of like weird Manson family people in a in a tent where he's preaching. Yeah. It's like one of those travel uh, revival circuit things, man. Yeah. Real creepy. Everyone's really sweaty in a tent, uh, worried about Armageddon. It is one of those things where you're like, shit, dude. You expect it to be true detectives in the background? <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing I like the most about the ending, too, is that very rarely do movies, especially like these kinds of movies, get justified sequels. And then you see like the setup, which makes total sense. Like, most of the time, it's just like, oh, here it is again. But this time, the justification for it is like God, which is like horrifying on all kinds of levels. But 
I really appreciate that they took the time to do that and like make it interesting enough for me to go, oh, I would go back and see that movie where like some crazy preachers like, all right, man, the seventh, uh, you know, the 11th plague. Here it goes. Like that was that would have been kind of cool. There, there are so many movies in the history of Hollywood, right? Yeah. That you you hear about and you're like, fuck, if only I could have seen that. Like Keanu Reeves' Watchmen or Nick Cage' Superman. You hear these like crazy stories of what could have been. There's no movie I can imagine in my life that I wish I could have seen more than the sequel to this where that fucking preacher is unleashing his biblical plague on the world. Uh, that is just, I mean, this, it's, it's this a, is the movie on my deathbed. I'll be like, how the fuck have we not seen this? And Hollywood is remaking and rebooting everything. It's a, this is fucking prime. It's a blessed this last scene. It to me is the second best thing the movie does. Cause like, again, you hit it right on the head, right? It's instead of just an extra throwaway, right? Like that was one of my favorite things in the original too. Um, the original blob ends with them flying it to Antarctica and the end question mark. And that fucked me up as a kid, right? That was like the, Oh shit, this isn't over. Like this story doesn't end when I leave. The danger is omnipresent, right? Like it's out there somewhere. That was fucking cool. This movie does that again in a really clever way. Like you said, it's actually justified. It's a pointed viewpoint. So, a pointed viewpoint. What a fucking re... <laughs> oh, my God. I am the worst. I am the worst. No. But, no, you know what I mean? It's 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 a point of view that makes perfect sense, it right? Is. Is that this thing, while man-made, which, you know, hey, maybe God's man-made, too. Maybe God was our first man-made weapon of destruction, right? Well it's this really cool, deeper fucking kind of think piece on, on weaponizing this monster again. If, I fucking love that last scene, and the preacher's got the gnarly ass. Yeah, it's awesome, and the fucked face. up hand oh, and everything. <laughs> yeah, honestly, oh, he's so good. I'm he's so, all sweaty. He's got a mullet now. Yeah, I'm so sad that we didn't. I'm so sad we did not get Blob Two, the Jesus and Mary Blob. Like, I really wanted to see that. <laughs> the Technicolor Blob suit. <laughs> <laughs> the Blob Two, Blob and the Technic. I mean, I I could just go. <laughs> it's writing itself. It's writing its goddamn self. <laughs> Then hey, at the end, when the preacher had the mullet, did you think there is a chance that he was Kevin Dillon's missing father? <laughs> Ooh, holy shit. I didn't what? even think about that. Wow. Because you know what? That first pharmacy scene, he seems very sketch. Yeah, that's true. We can tell he might have a little bit of a drinking problem. He seems a little off to me in that scene. And then when they he had the mullet, I was like, oh, my God. Damn, that's true. Oh Evil is pervasive as hell in this town. Fuck. <laughs> Oh my god, that blows my mind. Then Yeah, think about that. I just I just looked it up though. This is really important. I really wanted to find out what the 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 ending credit song was because it like when the credits roll I'm like this song's incredible. <laughs> the song is Brave New Love from the Swedish rock band Alien. So Perfect. If you Perfect. Want, if you want to go find that song, please, for the love of God, listen to it because it is fucking hilarious. Because this is like a hallmark of the 80s, too, is the 80s used to end movies with like whatever songs are going to be on the soundtrack. But they would just like the most inappropriately timed. Like we just watched a movie about like a sentient blob that a sentient corrosive blob that destroys organic matter in its path. And the first thing we hear in the credits are like. Like that's <laughs> that's how you'd feel had you survived the blob. 
I fucking loved it. Man. Everyone in that town was having like the strawberry festival next weekend, dancing around to that song. A little extra pep in their step. <laughs> a little extra pep. We're in- all going bankrupt and we'll be homeless soon, but we're not blobbed. <laughs> we're not blobbed. So throw on the alien. I got to hear that brave new love track. Oh shit, man. I, I fucking love this movie. It is one of my most rewatched movies of my entire life for sure. It's really um, great. I love that it, it delivers so much on the big fun science fiction horror. It has great sci-fi undertones, like big themes to contemplate, right? Yeah. It's, it's I love movies like this that, while kind of silly and campy, they give you, like, you can spend a lot of time outside of watching this movie contemplating the bigger themes and problems of this world. I think that's outstanding. And then they don't waste any scene. No. Even the small time, the small town setting up, you know, getting the, the lambs to the slaughterhouse, essentially. Yeah is done with such care and craft to make really fucking fun scenes, really small details that add a lot to this world and these characters. Um, I can't sing the praises of this movie enough. I mean, on every single level, it fucking delivers. It does. And it, it ra- I mean, it rarely misses. There's no waste in this movie. It's lean, muscular, it's a lean, uh, predatory it's a lean mash. It's a movie, like man. Movie. Like, that's what you want. It's lean 90 minutes. It doesn't waste any time. And even, look, yes, those opening credits are still the longest opening credits I've ever seen in a movie. (laughs) But, like, at the same time, it sets the tone for the rest of the movie, which is like, this town's going out of, this town's going broke. It's also, like, clearly, like, a town that was built in 1955. And, you know, we're going from there. Like, it was, there's a lot in that movie there's a lot in that opening that you get explained. Like there's a lot of pretext and a lot of exposition that you don't have to hear anything about. Like I realize now complaining about not knowing what Kevin Dillon had done to become such a ruffian is pretty inconsequential when you think about it, because at the end of the day, what you want to know is if he's willing to rise to the occasion as the hero he ends up being. That's the important. No, part. As soon as you see him lick op- grown up Opie Taylor's face, you're like, this guy's a bad motherfucker. <laughs> That is one of the most hardcore things I've ever seen in a movie. I'm like, I don't care that you just, you know, did a double shift at the Olive Garden. You know what I mean? And we're making nice with old blue hairs. You're tough. You're tough. You're fucking tough, dude. Some shit's going on with your life. <laughs> the Blob had no chance now that I look back. The Blob on had it. no chance to destroy Kevin Dillon with a mullet. Yeah. The Blob might eat entire people, but he never just face licks and then leans back like a boss. That's real power. <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, I think this might be like the third time I've seen this movie because I'd caught it on cable a bunch. But this is the first time I sat down and really watched. And it is it is very good, man. It really is. It is really. Well, I mean, Rotten it Tomatoes is really has it at a 61 IMDb 6.4. I would just I mean, this is, again, the thing I just asked, like, what the fuck do you expect from the blob? Yeah. What what area going into this movie? Does it not far exceed your expectations going in? Right. Yeah. I think that's a thing that I think we always need to remember when we're watching movies is like, keep in mind, like what the movie is you're watching. Like if you're going into, if you're going into like the blob expecting some Terrence Malick thing, then, you know, I think you're watching the wrong movie, but you know, well, then guess what? You're lucky. Cause you got better than Terrence Malick movie. <laughs> Terrence Malick's never made a movie as good as the blob. You heard it here first. Wow. I don't I don't know if I'll stand by that after right now, but I feel very passionate in the moment. It's high praise. I also <laughs> totally forgot that Frank Darabont co-wrote this movie. Yeah. Fucking mind it's, blowing. It's, man. I mean, that's what I mean. It's it's a well-crafted movie on every level. Um the enjoyment factor is so insanely high. I like uh, it. I I think this is just one of the 
it, it's so often overlooked. You never see it pop up on best horror movie list, this and that. It's just, it's fucking fun horror sci-fi. It's campy, but it has a lot of fucking heart and craft, man. I think this is just such a stellar movie. Yep, I'm in. Or interstellar, as it were. <laughs> it'll, wow. It'll be rewatched. <laughs> It'll be rewatched in my house for years to come. Yeah, like I can't wait to show this to my kids when they're wildly too young to watch. <laughs> uh, that's it, guys. That's the blob. That's Aliens Attack the Pod. Bonus show, They Live. So go out and check that out. Uh, join us for that one. That one is such a fucking great movie too, man. You're going to love that one just as much as we do. Um, guys, Keep supporting the show. We're seeing your help. We appreciate it. Thank you. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, take a minute. Write a review, guys. Grab a friend who hasn't seen the Blob remake and share the fucking glory with them and then share the show, man. This is how we'll get more Alchemist in the mix. Uh, that's it, guys. Thank you so much for all the help. You guys Stay are tuned. Great. August, uh, we have some other bonus shows coming up that we'll get to. August, the pod takes revenge. <laughs> awesome revenge movies. We all love that shit. Join us. It's going to be awesome. I'm stoked. We have some real good ones. And again, you guys will get a chance to weigh in and pick your own revenge film for the show to cover. Uh, from the Film Alchemist, I'm Josh Griffey. I'm Alex Dandino. 